With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, brought to you by Scout Logistics. Matthew Collar here. We welcome in Leroy Horde, former Minnesota Viking, a legend in Cleveland as well, and now making his legend in Miami on sports radio. What is up, Leroy? What's happening? Leroy, are you aware how popular you are? with Vikings fans. I just want to, I want to know that. Like you, you mm-hmm. certainly know that Cleveland Browns fans appreciate mm-hmm. your efforts, but in Minnesota, you're 10th all time in rushing touchdowns. And even though you're playing with Randy Moss and Randall Cunningham and Chris Carter, there is a special spot in Vikings ha- uh, fans hearts for Leroy Hort. I've been fortunate throughout my career that I've never had to change the way I played football. In high school, I was a physical guy. When I got to Michigan, a physical guy. I got to Cleveland, physical guy. And even in the the pass-happy, wide-open offense of Minnesota, I was still able to be the same type of player. And, and so from that standpoint, when you are in Minnesota and you have Randy Moss and, and Robert Smith and Chris Carter and Jake Reed and – David Palmer and all these like weapons, uh, I kind of stick out like a sore thumb, <laughs> right? Because I'm, yeah. I'm just my style of play was a little bit different, but it was needed because there's always a time in football. I don't care how wide open, run and shoot, whatever. There's always a, a time in football when you have to just line up in front of the other guy and beat the guy in front of you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was your specialty. I want to know, before we get into some other things, like I want to hear about your media career, how you're liking that, and uh, about you know playing for those great teams and then the Super Bowl. But I want to know, how much was you and how much was pads? Like, because you, those guys in the 90s <laughs> wore the biggest pads. And I had, I remember I had a football card of yours where yeah. I swear the pads are going past your ear holes. How yeah. much was your size? How much was pads? Um, I was... 200 and about 15 to 225 pounds at the most. And, uh, and everybody 
you know, for for that reason, because of those pads, I, w- I could walk the streets wherever I played and nobody would ever know it was me <laughs> right. because everybody, right. there's no way he's bigger than that. Right. right? And so uh, I remember I was in Cleveland and my uncle was in town. We went to a bar and we literally sat down and I bought drinks for a guy having a conversation about me for two hours <laughs> without him ever knowing that it was me. And so I, I was always fine with that. Like I didn't, I got so much more out of football than the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I love being on a, in a team environment. I love being in the atmosphere. I love like being, you know, seeing the fans and seeing them just ecstatic and happy. I loved all that stuff, and and probably the numbers and 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 all of that was a, was a side note. Um, so from from that standpoint, and and case in point, uh, if you go look at my career, I probably had seven or eight games where I finished with 99, 98 yards. <laughs> and the coach would say, "You want to go and get a hundred? I'm like, "What's two more yards? <laughs> right? Like a hundred is the benchmark for what? Mm-hmm, right. And so I was like, "No, nah, the game's over. Let, let, let's live to play another day." Right. Let Mo Williams take care of it at that point. Right. Um, No, that's that's great, because uh, when I looked at your listed weight, I was like, really? Because you looked like Jerome Bettis. Yeah. And and yet you were definitely not Jerome Bettis size, which I thought was cool. And uh, let's talk about the the 98, 99, uh, that those Mm -hmm. teams, because you get here in 96 and then you take on this cool role of being the hammer of that team that was so finesse in 1998. And I just want to know when you guys knew you were great. Like, was it training camp and you saw Randy Moss run and you're like, oh, okay, this could be special. But, I mean, usually in training camp you get a sense for how the team's going to be. But did you ever expect it was going to be 15-1 and and be one of the greatest offenses in history? You you know what you get a sense of in camp, and this is with everybody, because – you don't really practice against anybody. You're practicing against yourselves. And the one thing we took out of that camp is, whew, Randy's fast. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. He, the, we would abuse our defense. And, and and like, we never thought we were that good because we were beating our defense. Right. You know, because you got John Randall, he can't sack anybody. Right. So it, it was always it, it was always a little skewed. But the one thing you do in camp is, you realize what type of team you're going to have as far as camaraderie, as far as maybe holding each other accountable, as far as working together, as far as, you know, if you have a good rapport with everybody you play with, how quick are you going to be able to make adjustments? Right. How are you learning the offense? How are we able – we had a unique offense in that you didn't you didn't learn a play – uh, based on your position, you learned to play based on where you were on the field. Hmm. So it was first receiver outside, second receiver, and, and so forth and so on. So we could run the same play out of a bunch of different um, formations, and everybody had to do, know what they were doing based on where they were on the field. Right, right. Not what position they played. Interesting. So it, it, and, and we picked that up pretty good. We picked mm-hmm. that up, uh, and, you know, Chris was a veteran of it. Uh, there was a few guys on the team, um, Jake Reed, a, a, a veteran of it. And so as we kind of, you know, started going through camp, we were like, man, we're like, everything's clicking. Right. Now, we didn't know how good were we going to be, 
But then when you start playing the games and you see, whoo, this Randy, man, this Randy is really good. We're running the ball really. And, and you still never really get a feel for it. I, I think when it finally kind of clicked for us is when we beat Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because right. that was the team, you know, and and everybody threw up the numbers. Oh, you know, uh, Minnesota hasn't beaten Green Bay, and <laughs> and that was, you know, that's probably the turning point when we realized that, hey, we, we, we got it, we got a chance at this. We're we're uh, we're rolling. Everything is going good. Um, you know, we had that one blip against Tampa, which was. If you look at that game and then and then realize what happened in the championship game, they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that, um, you know, they were physical, uh, pushed us around a little bit, and we didn't reapply pressure, even though we had the ability to do it. You just get caught up in playing a certain type of game, you know, and and so um, and that that's not even that's the whole everybody. You know, when you when you go into a game saying this is going to be a physical game and this is going to be a hard-fought game, right before the half, you don't think about, you know, going down and scoring inside right. your own 10. Right. You think about getting out of the first half with that 10-point lead. Mm-hmm. You, you see what I mean? And, yes. And, yeah. and it kind of catches you off guard because you had so much success, you don't realize, you know, that, oh, no, we can just be us. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, we we're gonna score twenty twenty points in the second half. We're gonna score three touchdowns. You 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 know, and the next thing you know, you're in a dogfight, <laughs> right? And and you right. run out of time. Mm-hmm. And then every play matters, and then a field goal matters, and then you're like, oh no, we lost. <laughs> and 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 that's yeah. kind of how it happened. That not you know, and and it wasn't. Yeah, we made mistakes, and we maybe did things the wrong way, but but I I always thought if we knew, uh, you know, then what we know now about how that game played out. Sure. We would have handled it a little bit differently. Yeah. And, and so you got to give them credit because, look, they had nothing to lose. They were coming after the quarterback. They were, you know, wide open, and, 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 and it's good on them, you know, good on Atlanta. So, yeah, but but I the only thing I probably regret from that season – and this is with sports in general. When you're good and you get on a run, you never really enjoy it because you're always expecting that there's going to be more. Sure, yeah. And when the season ended, I'm like, wow, I only went to one NFC championship game and the only thing I took away from it was misery. <laughs> you, <laughs> Boy, know, that, you know what I mean? That and, is the Vikings' existence. Right, and, and <laughs> so, so from that standpoint, um, it was, you know, disappointing. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's it's sports. It's how it's how those things play out. I don't. It's not. I don't blame anybody. You know, sometimes you just get caught up, and you know, one of the signs of a great team. And what when I say about Kansas City is, if you look at the different ways they've won games in the two years, you can't pin. You can't say they are only one type of team. Right. Yeah. They've won games seventeen, fourteen. They've won games where they were down 24. Uh, they've won shootouts. They've won games where they had to run the ball for 200 yards. Mm-hmm. they won games where they had to pass it for 400 yards. Like, they can come at you from so many different angles that um, that's a sign of a great team. I think back then, as good as we were, 
we were really only going to beat you one way, mm-hmm. and that's to outrun you. Right, yeah, and I think it's interesting that of all the things that happened that season, all the numbers you put up, that your mind goes right to that game because I think yeah. I think that I think that happens with everybody who's a Vikings fan because that felt like the best team that most people had ever seen. I mean, right. if you weren't around to see the Purple People Eaters in the '70s, that was the best Vikings team that you've ever seen. And then you just end up with the regrets of if you know you're more aggressive on the last drive, or if this plays out, or if there's not a dropped interception here or there. It's I mean, it's one of the most fascinating games to analyze too to go back to if only one more thing had broken your way you're in the Super Bowl well you know what I don't necessarily have any regrets about the plays that occurred during the game Mm -hmm. because one of the things that I tell people all the time is football is the closest thing to perfect sports when you think about basketball you shoot 40 percent from three you you you're doing good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you you bet three hundred in baseball, you you're gonna be a Hall of Famer. Right. Football is the closest thing to a hundred percent in sports that we have, and and nobody ever gets it. And 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 the thing is, is that we've all made mistakes during football games. Mm-hmm. I've fumbled during football games. I've dropped passes during football games. I've missed blocks. The thing that is scary about making the mistake is you never know how crucial that mistake is going to be as far as the outcome of the game. Right. And so as a fan or as people that watch the game, you go to those specific plays and that's the only plays you remember as far as what, you know, what happened in that game. I'm one of those people that, Look, I'm not I can't point the finger at anybody. Right. I've never played a perfect football game. Mm-hmm. You know, I and, and maybe I was fortunate that my mistakes weren't costly as some other people's mistakes even though they may have been the same mistakes. Like we don't remember Leroy fumbling, but we remember the guy that fumbled at the end of the game. Right, right, right. And it may have been his only fumble of his life. You know, and that's just mm-hmm. the way sports is. So um, I don't I don't necessarily put any blame on it. I, I would just say we had mistakes that occur during the normal play of a football game at the wrong times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. You see what I mean? Yeah. Like if 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 um, Gary Anderson had missed his first field goal of the year and never missed one all year, what are we saying now? Do you right. think about the miss? Right. If he if he misses it in the first quarter instead right. of the fourth quarter. Right. If no, we if we point. lost the first two games of the season and then ran the table, we're Super Bowl champs. Right. Right. But we lost our second game in the AFC Championship game. So it, it, it's like, yeah, it's unfortunate. I wish that I had enjoyed it more mm-hmm. and not taken it for granted. I think a lot of times you make assumptions. Uh, and, and and maybe that played into it, too, that we just assumed we're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> right, right. Like, who's going to stop us? <laughs> but, again, you have these mistakes here and there at crucial moments. And it might have only been three mistakes the whole game. Mm-hmm. But they happen at the worst possible time. And, and I, that's why, you know, we didn't we didn't advance that year. 
And I think that what's interesting, you make that point about uh, football. It's like if it's basketball and you miss the very last buzzer beater, maybe people notice. But if you shoot, you know, 10 for 20, those right. 10 misses, no one's going to go back and say, well, if he had only made that one or right. didn't have the turnover. Right. But with football, those like stay with guys forever, the right. one mistake that they make. And I remember – I think hearing or reading about Gary and how tough that was on him to get over that and kickers just have it the most brutal because well, the, you when know, he came back the following kicks. year. Yeah. We were fine. No, yeah. like nobody got on. No, no. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Like we, we in this together. We were in this together regardless. And, and like I said, okay. Anybody who never made a mistake in a football game that was costly, <laughs> you go and say something to Gary. Right. Right. And, and guess what? Nobody's as good as it gets too. So, right. He was exactly. great for you all year. Exactly. And but but I will tell you this. I remember every time in my football career that I fumbled and cost this game. <laughs> I fumbled yeah. uh my second year at Michigan in an Ohio State game and we lost twenty three twenty. Oh. I remember I was in high school, it was fourth and one. I got the handoff. I didn't get a yard. Like I remember that to vivid. It's just that's what football is. Football mm-hmm. is the only sport. That's negative reinforced. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It's the o- it's the only sport. So not only do you have to be tough on the football field, you have to be tough dealing with, you know, with the adversity of not being successful. Right. Um, you think about baseball. There's a guy to go one for thirteen. He don't have to answer questions about going one for thirteen. It's baseball. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 That happens to everybody all the time. Right. But football, 10 minutes after the game, if you screwed up, you got to answer for it. Yep. People like me at your locker. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, which is which is fine. Like, I'm I'm one of those people. I was always just a stand-up. Like, okay, like, it's on me. Like, mm-hmm. I, I made that mistake, you know, that you got to own it. Like, if you understand, you know, how sports is played and, and you know – you know, people would always ask me, well, why did you fumble that? I said, you honestly think that, you know, I went into that game, that play, and said, you know, in this play, I'm just going to fumble it and carry it <laughs> right. loosely. Right. Oh, I'm trying. It's shaped weird. That's why. That's it's why you fumbled weird. it. <laughs> yeah. I had those big shoulder pads. And these short little arms. That's a good point. The, the give and take of giant shoulder pads yeah. is one of them. Can I ask you about Cunningham? Because that year is so fascinating for me. He is this like icon in Philly and then his career kind of peters out there. He is, I think he owned a company that was doing like drywall or something like that. Boring and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, Uh exactly. And then he comes back to be the backup. He wins that crazy game in 97 against the giants with the onside kick and all that stuff. And then he still comes out of the year uh, as Brad's backup and then just, you know, takes off. I, I wonder what it was like kind of with the front row seat seeing how all that played out for Randall, not only just having this renaissance, but doing it as a pocket passer, unlike what he did in Philadelphia. I think it really like solidified how great of an NFL quarterback he was. I'll tell you what, and this is not a knock on Randall, but if I drop back as a quarterback and my options were Chris <laughs> Carter, Randy yeah. Moss, Jake Reed. Yeah. Uh, there is no need to run. <laughs> right, right, right. There, there is no need <laughs> right. to run. That's the odd, like sometimes people and 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 I 
I try to explain this this way. The thing that people misunderstand about athletes are when you get to this level, you can do what is asked of you if it's within your abilities. Mm -hmm. And so when he was in Philly, he could throw the football. Oh, yeah. But he was so dynamic running that he didn't have to take those chances down the field. Right. Because he could get the 15, 20 yards. He could. He was very athletic. He could scramble around and get somebody even more open because they were worried about him. That was just part of his game. When he got to Minnesota, he may roll out slightly to the right. Mm-hmm. Something about Randy Moss running down the field makes everybody want to throw it to him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? right? Something about having Chris Carter on your team always running the right route and being where he's supposed to be makes you throw it to him. That's part of being on a good team. Like, we were fortunate that here's the quarterbacks that were just there when I was there. Warren Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, What's his name? Johnson. Um, Brad Johnson. Yep. Brad Johnson. Yeah. Tim Randall Cunningham. Yeah. We had a, a, a minute of um, of uh, yeah, Jeff from, George. Uh, Jeff George, who was, by the way, he threw the hardest ball <laughs> I've ever tried to catch in my life. Yes. It didn't spin. <laughs> really? So when you say guys could spin it, yeah, like you could read his ball. It would just come at you like a missile, and wow. it would hit you. Like it, it was <laughs> – Unbelievable. His highlights with Randy, by the way. It's like huh? Jeff George's highlights throwing to Randy. Like the right. ball looks like it's shot out of a cannon. I mean, it doesn't right. look like a normal football right. pass because it goes he had so a fast. Cannon. Right. Um, and then, and wait, there's more. Dante Culpepper was <laughs> – so you look at teams that that – have had one great quarterback and then struggled to get quarterbacks. Right. And then you look at that stretch that Minnesota had from Warren Moon all the way to Dante Culpepper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Name another team that's had that. <laughs> I know. I mean, right. in one quarterback room, Cunningham, Culpepper, and George has to be the strongest arms of any quarterback room in history. Yes. It has to be. Yes. Yes. They all, all, all had cannons. And that's not, I wouldn't even call him, what, Todd Bowman? Oh, yeah, Todd Bowman. Remember, wait, no, wait has, guess who yeah. else was there? Jay Fiedler? Jay Fiedler, right. Who ended up being a quarterback in Miami? Before Miami, that's right. right. That's it, right. It, it's unbelievable, the, 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 <laughs> really the quarterbacks that came through Minnesota while I was there. Hey, I want to take a second to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics. And I really mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and they reached out wanting to support this show. And I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for perishable, non-perishable, and fragile freight from source to door. And if you're wondering what that means exactly, well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they're the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They could ship perishable, non-perishable, oversized, or fragile goods, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out ScoutLogistics.com or call 855-217-217. 
2688 extension 232 to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk, overperform, and go the extra mile for your company. Yeah, it really is. Um, it is incredible. I, I want you to tell me a little bit more about playing with Moss because it's been my kind of feeling from talking with people like yourself, Gus Farratt, who's another uh, right. you know quarterback that came after you. Uh, just that Randy as a teammate versus Randy from what the outside thought of him was a pretty big difference. I, I wonder if you feel that way. Um, here, here's here's the way I look at players. And this is players that I know, players that I watch, players that I come across, whatever. Until I hear another football player say a negative thing about a player, I don't believe nothing that anybody else Hmm. says. How many people have said anything negative about Randy? In terms of his former teammates, none. Nobody. Right. Right? Even all the situations he went through throughout the league on all these other teams, Mm -hmm. who said anything negative about him? Right. That's all you need to know about Randy. You can write what you want. You can say what you want. But the guys that are on the field and practicing with that dude every day have a better idea than somebody watching the damn TV. Mm -hmm. So enough of that. That's a good dude. He gave you everything. You you understand what Randy did for, for seven or eight years of his career. He ran sprints every game. (laughs) Yeah. And so he, I want you to line up and run three or four go routes in a row in the NFL. And then you run a hitch and you take that playoff. Really? Come on, man. So, no. Until I've I've never seen one person say anything negative about Randy. Yeah. Never. So, anybody on the outside writing about him, you just just want something to write about. Because you don't know. You ain't asking nobody. I, in fact, I've never even heard stories about sources. Yeah, no, that, that's never, right. yeah. never. I think so it that's was... on that's on the people writing about Randy. Mm-hmm. That's not on Randy. Right. It was kind of a collection of some of the things that happened, like the play when I want to play, or there was the issue with you know, you know whatever else. And people love as I discovered with covering Stephon Diggs, people love to read into what TV shows on the sidelines. Right. As, For example, as you well let, know. let's break this down. Okay. You remember when Randy Moss fake mooned? <laughs> the, yes. Well, well, guess you know why he did that, and you know why everybody in the stadium was laughing. I think it was because the the bus incident, right? Every time we pull up. To Green Bay, the fans moon us. <laughs> yes. Right. So Randy did it to them. <laughs> right. They all laughed, and right. everybody in football flipped out. Yes, right. So understand where these stories are coming from. Right. There's the reality of the story, and there's, you know, what people want you to think of that player. Right. I, You know, I've, I found it very interesting. Gus Farad said on the show that – I mean, when I asked him about playing with Randy, he was like, yeah, we used to play dominoes together all the time. Yeah. Just like a just a regular teammate to us. And I know that Randy, when he came back uh, to be in the Ring of Honor, he said that he kind of wished that he had tried to be a little more open and things like that. I think he was distrustful of 
media. And so he wasn't doing the puff piece interviews and things like that, that would kind of help uh, the image. And maybe that's where some of the difference was. And that gap has been closed, I think since, um, and people understand a little more about Randy, but I've always found it fascinating that every former teammate I've ever talked to said the guy was working hard. He knew all the, you know, the offense, he really knew the sport extremely well. He did his job. And yet there was sort of this, this guy's a problem kind of thing that was, you know, over it. To be honest with you, that sounds like a you problem. That ain't <laughs> yeah, a Randy right. problem. Right. Like, don't expect just because a guy plays football that he's supposed to have the personality that appeases you. Right. Right. You, you see, they've been other people in their profession that's not very friendly mm-hmm. or is a little, you know, careful around the media. Right. Why do you think that is? Like, it, it happens. It happens. There's people that are uncomfortable talking. Like, if you want a talker or you want a comedian, go to a comedy club. (laughs) If you want a football player, then watch what the guy does on the field. And nobody ever had a problem with Nobody what? You know, and what happened is because you didn't like him, then you start nitpicking his play on the field, Mm -hmm. which is unfair to him. Right. And so that's how, and then it's not going to get better. You think if you write something negative, oh, he's all of a sudden going to open up to you? <laughs> right. No, I don't. Look, Randy said that. He don't. He didn't owe anybody anything. That dude did his job. That dude was fun to be around. And because some people may have approached him the wrong way and he shut down, be more careful next time. <laughs> Understand that under, like, I try to explain to people what it's like. You know, you come out of college. You ain't a pub. You're not a public speaker. Right, right. You don't necessarily have the personality to entertain the the media. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not for everybody. Right. But because the media has a job to do, they think it's part of being a professional to entertain them. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's not. And and as soon as you can get off your high horse and understand that. And understand that sometimes when I ask a question, I might not get to ask a follow-up because he's going to be short. Mm-hmm. Some people are just like that. Right. I mean, think about this. Right off the top of your head, do you know what Marvin Harrison sounds like? I don't think so. I don't know how right. many interviews I've ever heard with Marvin Harrison. Correct. How about Andre Johnson? Oh, uh, definitely not. Definitely not. One of okay. the quietest guys, right? Okay. You see what I mean? Yeah. Like there are people who just aren't that they they're not made for it. It's okay. It's okay that you don't have the ability to communicate like everybody else. Mm-hmm. That's life. That's life. It's not your thing. And 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 people get all sensitive and oh he won't <laughs> talk to me. We're you know we are the 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 voice for no you're not. Like just to call it for what it is. You want to do a story. Um, the player, you know, wasn't feeling it. So move on to the next story. It's okay. Yeah, I think, it's okay. I think with Randy where the conflict would be is that he was just so popular. So everybody kind of wants to be on in there or, you know, right. write something sure. or say something interesting he about him. He was popular him. because he was good at what he did. Right, right. Not because he was a comedian or a talker or <laughs> right. said a lot of things. Yeah, that's, that's true. okay. Yeah, that's, that's okay. true. That's true. Um, you know, in, in in some ways, I think with things like this, it's just um, that the 
maybe you can understand why media wants to interview him. You can understand why he doesn't want to. But when the perception gets shifted to the guy is a problem when that's not true, that's what I, I dealt with that with Stefan Diggs here, where his teammates weren't saying behind the scenes or in public that he was a problem. His former teammates don't say he was a problem. And yet people kind of put together a few things that were an issue with him and the team that were business related and say, well, he must have been a cancer. Or he must right. have been tearing the mm-hmm. locker room apart. And it's like, as a reporter, I'm trying to tell you know, fans, no, that's not how it was working, but right. the narratives you know, kind of take off on their own. It's you know easy. I mean? That's the easy way to do it. Yeah. The easy way, you know, here, the, the basic uh, fundamental of sports is this. If you suck, we don't want you, and we don't care about your contract. <laughs> yeah. And if you're great, you have to stay here forever. Yeah. Yep. Like that's, that's <laughs> right. That, that's that's yes. that's how it works. That's how it works. You know. So if Stephon Diggs only had 70 catches instead of 120, <laughs> right? Yep. Yep. And he wanted to leave. They were like, kick rocks, Why? <laughs> right? Yes. And you have to understand yes. that as so. So when you have a situation like that. You know, you got to do what's best for you. Right. You have to because, you know, nobody can – look, and and we have this situation going, you know, throughout the league where you go from one team to another team and your numbers go down, not because you've lost the ability to do your job, but the role that you have on that team is different mm-hmm. because yeah. of fantasy and because of stats and because of that, to them – to, to fans and to the media, it looks like, huh, you didn't have a good enough years last year. Whereas if you catch 80 balls for the team you're at, that might be like 130 on the team you left. Right, right. You know, we don't ever, we don't ever look at those nuances of stats and stuff like that. We, we don't. You know, if, if a guy had 1,500 yards and he goes to another team and only has 1,000, oh, he's, he's falling <laughs> off. Not to mention they they throw for five thousand yards. Like no, it. So it's a weird dynamic. Once you're in sports, you kind of understand it. I'm I probably gone a little blue in the face trying to explain it. <laughs> I to can people. tell. I feel like this is the first time you brought this up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, it's a conversation I have with with you know guys with players. You know, you know I had it with LeBron. You know they you know, we're not mad that LeBron left Miami. We're upset. Uh, we're we're mad at how he left. No, you're not. No, you're mad he left. <laughs> right. If the hot girl leaves you, you're not upset how she left. You're upset that she gone. <laughs> Let's be honest. Right. We wanted LeBron here. And, you know, I got to say, this is a reason, by the way, to respect and appreciate Jake Reed, who took on that number three role and his numbers went down, but he was a massive part of that offense. And I think that, you know, even someone like yourself, you're – kind of a 1A type of running back in Cleveland, and you're then splitting with Robert Smith. But you guys are making the team so much better by being in those roles. It's it's kind of, it's always been – I've always just had a great appreciation for what Jake Reed did. Like he – although social media wasn't around, maybe then he would have tweeted his right. way out of it, but I doubt it. <laughs> but, but but keep in mind, we also had Matthew Hatchett. Yeah. Um, yep. and, and one of the things you have to, to understand is that goes back to what I talked about that camp, when right. how we all got along. Right. How we all, you you know, we all hung out. We, uh, I mean, we didn't know that this is what that season was going to be. Right. 
but we enjoyed being around one another. We enjoyed being with each other. We enjoyed doing things together. And so from that standpoint, um, you know, when it got to we were having success, nobody felt bad for the other guy or nobody was, right, right. you know, hey, it should be me or anything like right. that. And, and, and so, um, you know, look, we always looked at it as if you're going to double Randy and you're going to try to do something with Chris, mm-hmm. Jake Reed can get you. Right. And, and there was no, no question. And everybody knew that, you know, so. And then if if Jake Reed started having a couple of catches and you roll the coverage to him, now you got to deal with Randy. Chris Carter was going to be Chris Carter. Chris Carter is right now. Chris Carter did is doing exactly what um um in uh in in um Arizona, Larry Fitzgerald. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's sure. doing the exact same thing. Right, right, right. Like, so it's almost like he could play that game forever because he was so smart. He knew (laughs) where to be, how to do it, and he did it uh, forever. That's, you know, so, like, yeah, we had had an excellent just camaraderie. It all clicked. Um, You know, we made any play look good, and our coaches put us in good good, uh, Mm -hmm. situations on the football field. Yeah, and I uh, like to argue that you know you can never have too many guys who are wide open all the time. Like that's not <laughs> right, that's, right. doesn't hurt it's, your chances to win football games. Um, the one thing I'll say about Chris Carter is, you know, a lot of people, you know, have things to say about Chris Carter. I will say this: the, whether you like Chris Carter or not, on the football field, dude was not a diva. Mm-hmm. Like he would come into the huddle and say, "Yo, Randall, if I run this crossing route and they come down on me." Jake, Randy's going to be over the top. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you, when you think about receivers and how they are, Chris Carter was about winning. Hmm. So whether you liked his personality or not or how he did things or whatever, the one thing I will always respect. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. About Chris Carter is on the football field, it was all about winning. And it didn't matter whether it was him. Now, I don't know if he's always been that way, but I know when I was there, it wasn't about him. It was about that team and winning and everybody having success. Want to remind you about our friends at Soda Stick. If you use the promo code Purple Insider, you can get free shipping at SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. There's so many great designs, including Chuck Foreman Spin Doctor shirts, Skull Hats, Straight Cash Homie shirts, and much, much more. And if you are a hockey fan with that getting going soon or a basketball fan, make sure you check out all sorts of great designs. Their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on Superstar super comfy shirts and hoodies you will love it that's sodastick.com s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k.com original minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping 
um, funniest quote maybe in football history was Buddy Ryan saying, all Chris Carter does is catch touchdowns, like as a criticism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the worst thing you've got to say about the guy, then uh, I think I'll take him. Um, if that's the worst thing that's, that's <laughs> ever said about you, you're doing pretty good. Right. That, all Leroy Horde does is run touchdowns. That's all he did. <laughs> um, let me ask you before we wrap up here, because I've kept you like way longer than I said mm-hmm. at first in, in my email to you. But uh, – your sports radio career and just how things are going for you now. How have you felt about being one of us? Now you're the media guy now, even though, you know, Hey, you've got the credibility played in the game, but now you understand us better, right? I mean, how, just how's everything going for Leroy Horde these days? Um, look, I'm fine. I'm in a unique situation that I can do everything from my house. Yeah. So when I'm banged up, you know, when, when my body's hurting, I don't have to travel anywhere. And that's, you know, that's the way it is now, you know, before when I had to go to the, you know, go to the studio, I would be on and off a little bit, mm-hmm. but you know, look, health, <laughs> health isn't a joke. Don't take health for granted. Sure. You, yeah. you know, that's what I'll say. Um, but I enjoy it. I enjoy talking about sports. I enjoy having conversations with my friends about sports. It's fun. Um, as far as, you know, Am I one of you? N- no, because th- there's one thing that I always take into account when talking about sports. And this is what bothers me with other athletes that do the same thing. I go into it with the understanding that I used to do what that guy did. And even though I can have a problem with how he did something, I still have to respect the fact that he is in the NFL right? and he is right. part of the elite, you know, so I will say when there's a problem or, or not, but I'm not going to just say a guy's trash. Right. I'm right, not right. going to just right. say he's a bum. I'm not just going to say, I, I understand that, Hey, it took me a minute to get going. Right. I had some success early in my career, but I didn't become a professional until middle to the end of my career right? to where I knew where to be, how to do things, how to prepare, mm-hmm. how to train, how to eat. Um, it took me a couple of years. So when I see a young player struggling, I'm always going to think, man, you were there. You weren't perfect when you started. Right. Cut that guy some slack. Right. Give him an opportunity to grow. And so that's the only difference that I have. I think a lot of times the media – don't they don't have that perspective they think that if a guy's a pro that means it's open season and i would say to anybody out there the first day you got your new job were you perfect at it <laughs> right yeah football's a job yep like you, you it takes you a while to to pick up on the speed to to understand that you know in college and high school if things failed, you could just run away from somebody. <laughs> right. 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 But now that six foot four, 260 pound guy can keep up with you. It's terrifying. So you got to find other ways. You got to learn how to read defenses. You got to learn how to pick your holes. You got to learn how to accelerate through the, all things that you have to learn. And it takes time. Man, I love that you use the word terrifying because I, I've always thought in terms of respecting what the guys who make the team can do from the first guy to the 53rd is when you go to camp and there's 90 guys and you right. see the guys that get on the field for the first time and they were maybe the star at whatever college they went to and they're mm-hmm. like, 
holy, you know, like this is way over my head. I got no chance here. And there are guys who just look terrified and basically they tap out. Like I'm not making yeah, this team look, and it, I'm out. So you have I to give, respect the guys who make it. I'll give you a perfect example. When we do minicamp and the wide receivers run across the middle and they're just extended and hands up, we write that number down. <laughs> say, why you write that number down? Because I want to see if he's going to put that hand up when there's a safety right, in the right. middle of the field. Right. Right? Like, with me, I played the same style of football. If you want to play it in practice, we can play it in practice. If you want to play in the game, we can do it in the game. I only know one way to play football. Right. So it, it did to me, it never, it never mattered because it was just a matter of how tough was I willing to be to outlast the other guy. Yeah. Because yeah. I wanted to see, hey, uh, you need to know that if we're playing against each other, I'm never going to stop. Right. Right? Uh, but eventually, that other guy, he may turn to the side a little bit, and then those two-yard games become five-yard games. And then he may avoid the hit altogether. Right. And then those five-yard games become 20-yard games. And so I basically played chicken with my body for, for 10 years, you know. And, and so, you know, I understood, and it, and I got into my sweet spot pretty quick in football. Sometimes it takes other guys a little bit longer or who they're going to be as a pro. I think that that is the mentality that I would have expected it to take for you to have the success that you had in your career, Leroy. This was so much fun, man. I mean, I, I just reached out to you hoping we could talk a little old Vikings, and uh, I have absolutely loved this conversation. So you be good. You enjoy the Super Bowl, and you enjoy your, your gig, and I'm glad you get to do it from home. It looks like you got a, a yeah. cool setup there. So yep. I'm really happy we could, we could connect. I'd love to do it again, man. Okay. Sounds good.